Hi, I'm Pete Holloway. I'm a senior vice president with Hazlett, Burton, Watson and Wheeling, and I'm also a certified financial planner. And as always, it's my great pleasure to welcome you to On Money. Today is a show I've been looking forward to for quite a, not quite a while, but for a while. This is probably my favorite guest and may also be the person who's done, I've done the most shows with. John Deskins is the Director of Business and Economic Research at WVU. He has an MA and PhD from the University of Tennessee in Economics. Why is he so important? When the legislative session begins every January at, in Charleston, one of the first briefings they get, if not the first, comes from John Deskins about the state of the state and its ec economically. And what he's going to talk about today is how has COVID affected the economics of West Virginia? And with that, I'm going to turn it over to John. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. As always, I am uh, always enjoy coming on and visiting and certainly glad to be here. Uh, I will say that today the talk is going to be way different than what we've seen at any point in the past when I've visited you. I mean, we are in a very, very unusual economic circumstance, certainly the most environment that I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, probably it's the most unusual economic environment that we've seen since uh, the Great Depression in the 1930s. So, uh, so the talk is not going to be kind of the typical talk that we go through. Anyway, we'll get right to it. I will share my screen. I have a few figures up on my screen. Uh, everybody can see that okay? Looks good. Okay, very good. Um, here's our headline number. We'll just start by talking about the total number of jobs in West Virginia. Um, boy, this is a dramatic figure. If you look, um, if you go from the middle of February to the middle of April, overall the state lost 94,000 jobs over that period. Uh, that's 13% of all the jobs in West Virginia uh, were lost in a two-month period. Uh, very, very unprecedented to say the least. But as dramatic as that sounds and as negative as that sounds, uh, we actually jumped back, added back 13,000 jobs from the middle of April to the middle of May. So down 94,000 jobs, but over the course of late April, early May, we added 13,000. Uh, and of course, we eagerly await to see what the June number is going to be to see if that momentum continues. The June number will be out soon, but we don't quite have it yet. Um, I just will say, you, you know, you can look at the figure there, the figure goes back to 1990, you can see that that job loss of 94,000 basically puts West Virginia back to where it was in about 1992 or 1993 in terms of the total number of jobs in the state. Um, now here we see a comparison between West Virginia and the neighboring states and the nation as a whole. The blue bars show you uh, the drop that we observed from mid-February from mid to mid-April, and then the yellow bars show you the bounce back that we saw from mid-April to mid-May. Now that 13% drop that you see in West Virginia is incredibly bad as that sounds. Uh, that actually wasn't as bad as the nation. The nation lost 14% of total jobs over that period. And some of our neighboring states, Ohio, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, uh, lost even more jobs. So <laughs> it's, it's weird to say it, but 13% job loss was not as uh, bad as it could have been, not as bad as it was in neighboring states. Uh, the 2% bounce back that we saw uh, the following month was in line with the national bounce back and you see the bounce back across other states there. Now here we see the job loss by sector. 
Uh, the blue bars, again, show you that mid-February to mid-April period, and then the yellow bars show you that uh, mid-April to mid-May period. Uh, during the, that bad two-month period where we really saw those job losses, uh, every single sector in West Virginia lost jobs. Uh, but unsurprisingly, the leisure and hospitality sector has been the hardest hit. Over that two-month period, leisure and hospitality lost 53% of all the jobs in that sector. But that's not surprising at all. I mean, if, you know, if nobody's going to uh, resorts or anything like that during the peak of this COVID crisis, uh, nobody's going to bars, nobody's going to restaurants, so it's not surprising that sector lost a lot of activity. Uh, services lost a lot in general. Retail lost a lot. Service, other services were down 14%. Retail was down 13% in terms of job loss over that period. Uh, interestingly, um, the education and healthcare sector, uh, which is mostly healthcare, um, that sector lost about 13,000 jobs over that period. Uh, that, that may be surprising in some sense because part of healthcare was booming, right? With these COVID-19 cases, uh, you know, the emergency rooms and part of the healthcare sector was booming, but you have to remember that healthcare sector includes, you know, a wide array of, of areas like dentists and eye doctors and all these other elective procedures and all those things were completely on offline over this period. So, so that's where the losses in healthcare were coming because of all those elective procedures and preventative care that was on hold. Um, here you see the unemployment rate. This figure kind of looks similar to that first figure that I showed you just in terms of the very, very sharp uh, shock that we experienced over the course of March and April. Uh, now, if you go back to February, you know, just before the crisis started, the unemployment rate in West Virginia was 4.9%. And you can look back, you know, I, I'm showing you the unemployment rate here since 1976, 4.9% is a good unemployment rate. That's essentially the lowest unemployment rate that we've seen in the last four years, except for a little period there uh, just before the last national recession in 08 or thereabouts. But the unemployment rate jumped from about 5% up to essentially 16% over the course of two months. Unemployment rate jumped up to about 16%. The good news is for the May reading, which reflects uh, data during the middle of the month of May, the unemployment rate jumped uh, or, or it fell back down to about 13%. So we go from five to 16 to 13. Again, we don't have the June reading yet, but we are eagerly anticipating what that June reading is going to be. Um, we are you know, very curious to see if that decline continues to see if we continue to see uh, steady improvement. And I just will say, we've seen periods like this before. If you look back there in the figure, go back to the early 1980s, unemployment in West Virginia was even up to 18, 19%. So we've had economic uh, you know, trouble before, certainly the Great Depression unemployment was higher than 16% as well. But, but the pace of decline, completely unprecedented. I mean, literally over the course of two months, we saw an 11 percentage point jump in unemployment. Never have we seen something happen that rapidly. Um, anyway, moving on, uh, this figure shows you uh, the magnitude of the jump in unemployment um, over that decline period and then the yellow bars show you how much of an improvement we've seen already for the May reading, uh, again, for West Virginia and for the neighboring states. Uh, similar to what we saw before, the jump in unemployment in West Virginia isn't as bad as what we saw for the nation as a whole, or just a little bit less than the nation as a whole, and the jump in unemployment was a little bit worse in Pennsylvania and Kentucky. 
that's consistent with the earlier data. Uh, and again, never in my life would I have thought that I would say, uh, oh, we saw an 11 percentage point jump in unemployment, but that wasn't as bad as it could have been. <laughs> I never imagined myself saying that. Uh, here's one more piece of data that we have, uh, the unemployment insurance uh, claims filings that we get from uh, Workforce West Virginia. Similar story, I, again, I mean, all, all these pieces of data are telling a similar story. I'm just going through as many pieces of data as we have that are available at the moment to try to understand the magnitude of this crisis. Uh, but the unemployment insurance claims data that we saw in West Virginia just before the crisis, going back to, you know, the 1st of March, uh, we had about, you know, a little bit less than 20,000 people in West Virginia on unemployment insurance. Over the course of a month and a half, that figure jumped up to almost 150,000, from 20,000 up to almost 150,000. But the good news is we are already down to less than half of that peak. Uh, from the course of mid-April to now mid-June, uh, we're down to half of what we were in mid-April. So that's encouraging news. On, on the negative side, if you, if you look there at the very tail end of that data series, you do see a slight uptick in the very last reading, but I think it's frankly too hard to read too much into that at the moment because it's just such a small change and it's just uh, one week's worth of data. This data series is weekly, by the way. This is the only data series that we have that's weekly. Everything else is monthly or quarterly. Uh, to move away from uh, you know, the labor market for a second, here we see West Virginia coal production. Uh, coal production has fallen 31% on the year. Uh, just going back to the beginning of January to the last, last reading that we had in June, we're down 31%. Uh, and if you look back, you can see that trough that the state experienced in 2016 when the state uh, fell down uh, you know, you know, to our lowest level of coal production that we've seen in a long, long time or in modern history. Uh, we are actually now 10% below that 2016 trough. So, uh, you know, so where we stand right now is the lowest level that we've seen in essentially modern history, 30% loss on the year. Uh, natural gas has fallen by a, a much smaller margin. Right now we're looking at declines in natural gas production in the state of about 4% on the year. So natural gas has suffered, but not, uh, not anywhere near the same magnitude as we saw with coal. So that's what we have so far. I mean, again, economic data, this is very unfortunate and it's just, we, we, we wish we had better data, but economic data come with a lag. We don't have good income data yet. We don't have good economic output or GDP data yet. Uh, I'm just showing you what we have because we just have to wait um, uh, to get more time to get a full picture of all the economic data that are out there. Sure. Um, in the stock market, which obviously I'm familiar with, there's been a pretty nice but bumpy recovery. Um, I'm not asking you to predict, but it looked like there were some pretty sharp increases or comebacks on all, those, on all that data. Do you think that's going to continue or are you able to even speculate on that? Well, that's where we're going next. That's my next slide. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> so I, I, this is one reason why you and I get along so well. We are, we're thinking alike. We're on the same page. Uh, but first off, I will just say that, you know, this recession is like no other, right? Recessions happen for a variety of reasons. You know, it's not like there's any one cause to a recession. But I mean, it's generally the rule that, you know, recessions happen because 
you know, economic problems emerge in the economy, they lead to recessions. For example, if you look back to the 2008-2009 national recession, economic problems emerged. Economic problems emerged that were going back up to a decade or more before that recession. Uh, those economic problems kind of come to a head. That puts the economy into recession. Economists can study those issues. We can think about how long is it going to take for these economic problems to unravel, and we can make a good projection on a possible recovery scenario. But this recession is very unusual because the cause isn't related to economics. This is not a recession that's been caused by economic problems. Uh, matter of fact, if you look back to the first of the year, the national economy was doing very well. Unemployment was extremely low. Job growth was strong. Output growth was strong. The economy was doing just fine. Um, and all of a sudden, we have this public health crisis that just comes completely out of the blue and causes us to shut down. In some sense, it was unusual because this was a, in some sense, this was a, was a recession by design. We specifically made a conscious decision to stay home from work and to close down certain businesses like restaurants and movie theaters and bars, et cetera. This is unlike anything that we've seen before. The recession was entirely caused by public health concerns, not by economic concerns. So that makes forecasting very difficult. Now, we'll tell you, this is not a good joke, but I'll tell the joke anyway. Uh, the old story goes, why did God create economists? And of course, the answer is God created economists to make weather people look good. Uh, you know, because the weather forecasters look so bad because their forecasts were so bad, they needed somebody to have even worse forecasts than them. That joke is in reference to economists during good times. And this recession is even more difficult to forecast than usual. So here's the story. We have what we call a V-shaped recovery. Now, what I have here, these aren't real data, right? The data going forward in the gray part, those aren't real data. I've just laid out potential data to give you an, to give you an idea of what a potential recovery could look like. But a V-shaped recovery, the blue line, V-shaped recovery means, well, we had a quick decline, but we're expecting a relatively quick recovery as well. Now, I personally remain optimistic that we may have something that's close to a V-shaped recovery. Uh, that is, if we contain this COVID-19 crisis, if we continue to see stability in the caseloads, and if we continue to see declines in the caseloads, and if we continue to open at a, at a reasonable pace, you know, as, as businesses continue to reopen as, at a reasonable pace, I think we may see a V-shaped recovery. Um, we're not for sure of that. Of course, not by any means, because that depends on the virus. Uh, and it also depends on underlying damage that has been inflicted on the economy because of the shutdowns. But right now, I mean, again, this is, you know, July. We still have a long ways to go, perhaps. But, but right now, we don't see a whole lot of uh, kind of signs of permanent damage. We're monitoring things like permanent business closures and bankruptcies. But so far, there's not a whole lot of obvious signs of permanent damage. So until we see those signs emerge, uh, then I'm gonna remain optimistic that we're gonna see something close to a V-shaped recovery. But again, a V-shaped recovery assumes, you know, we continue to see reductions in virus caseloads. If we see a second major spike this fall or this winter, once everybody gets back indoors and once schools open back up and all this, if we continue to see a second spike and a second shutdown, we could have what we call a W-shaped recovery. We could fall right back down and be right back to where we were back in April and May, right? If, if it, who knows what's gonna happen with the virus caseloads? 
um, a W-shaped recovery is a real possibility if the virus caseloads spike again, forcing another shutdown. Um, another issue is, again, we don't know how long it'll take to contain the virus and to continue to reopen, but the longer that that takes, the more likely it is that we will see underlying damage created in the economy. If that happens, we could see what we call like a checkmark-shaped recovery, or some people call it a Nike swoosh-shaped recovery. That just means a recovery where we had a rapid decline, but it takes a long time to recover. Um, that's a possibility. It just depends on how long it takes to get rid of this virus and how much underlying damage is inflicted due to that time lag that it takes to contain the virus. I will say kind of the, the least optimistic scenario is what people refer to as an L-shaped recovery, which I have the green line there. An L-shaped recovery is really no recovery at all. It's kind of a misnomer. It's just you decline and then you just move forward at that lower level that emerged after the decline. So it's no recovery at all. I don't think we're gonna see an L-shaped recovery and I remain optimistic for a V-shaped recovery, but again, it just depends on what happens with the virus and how long it takes to contain this virus. Um, I, I, I will say, however, I was a little bit more optimistic a couple weeks ago than I am now. We are seeing emerging stories of you know, new cases in places like Texas and Florida and South Carolina, and even here in Morgantown, we've had a little spike in cases over the past couple weeks. So that makes me less optimistic than I was a couple weeks ago, but I still retain a fairly good level of optimism because of the lack of uh, evidence of underlying damage so far. Before the show, we had talked, uh, I know this sounds funny, but how can the state of West Virginia uh, take advantage of this? And I know that sounds funny, but what we're seeing is the big people moving out of the big cities, they're worried about being in close contact. Is this something you've looked at or might make sense? You know, you mentioned before the show remote work. What a pretty place to do your remote work. Have a, instead of looking out a window at a, another building, but seeing the West Virginia Hills, is there a way we can, again, take advantage of that? And I, I know that sounds horrible, but let's do it. Well, as tough as it's been over the past few months, I think we may see some real silver linings emerge from this. Uh, the, I mean, remote work is a real possibility. If, if you look back to, you know, the end of last year, or even the first part of this year, you can see a lot of evidence of companies moving to more remote work, um, especially with kind of like big cutting edge tech companies, a lot of evidence that they're uh, hiring just more people to just work from home. They can just do their job from home. It's, it's kind of a win-win in some case for the person. And it's also a win-win for the company because they don't have to have all this office space and all this expensive office space. So that was a movement that was really underway in this country already. And this crisis has done nothing but greatly accelerate that movement. We have learned kind of the hard way by being thrown into the deep end that a lot of jobs can be done just fine from home. A lot of jobs can be done very effectively from home. Uh, and so I think we're gonna see more and more remote work. Couple that with the fact that New York City was the hardest hit part of the country. Just in general, urban areas have been more hard hit than rural areas. Um, if I were living in New York City, I'd look at a place like West Virginia. If I had an opportunity to re work remotely, I'd be really attracted to a place like West Virginia where I can go do my job, have a good job, high paying job in New York City, but enjoy the beautiful scenery. I'm looking out here at my trees and mountainside out my window. I mean, I'd be attracted to that opportunity. And this is an entirely new form of economic development. Used to, economic development was entirely centered around 
attracting that one big company, one big company that employs 500 or 1,000 people, land that one big fish, and that will be the anchor for economic development in some region. But this is an entirely new economic development strategy. Don't worry about landing one big fish. Just try to land a bunch of young millennials who, uh, who have good high paying jobs in big cities that they can work from remotely, bring those people to the, to the, to the state. And uh, it's, it's a whole new type of economic development strategy an economic development strategy that has a lot of positives. For one thing, it's a much lower risk strategy, right? If we're trying to attract 5,000 individual thing, if we attract one big employer that, that that, that has a thousand people, if that one employer shuts down or if they decide to move somewhere else, we, we've experienced all that loss. We have a lot more risk with, with the notion of attracting one big employer. A risk is spread out much more broadly if we just attract remote workers. Um, in West Virginia, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence that millennials like the kind of, li I mean, not all millennials, but there's a lot of evidence that many millennials like the kind of lifestyle we have in West Virginia. We have unprecedented mountain biking opportunities rock climbing opportunities, white water rafting opportunities. Um, and millennials like that kind of thing. And, and we can really sell that as an asset to bring these people to West Virginia if we market ourselves and develop these assets and resources appropriately and effectively. Um, you know, but several things have to come in place for this to happen. Uh, for one thing, you have to have broadband, right? There is no issue associated with remote work unless you have 100% good, reliable broadband. And so at the moment, that rules out uh, numerous counties in West Virginia that don't have good, reliable broadband. But, uh, but, you know, that's something that we have to pursue over the long run. Seems to me one other nice thing for the state, the cities, the counties, to attract that whale you're talking about, the 500,000 job operation, there are huge tax benefits that are given to that corporation. If you're bringing in people one at a time, they're not going to get that tax benefit, I don't think. No, I think it's a great strategy. And it, and it doesn't replace the old strategy. The old strategy is still there. It's just another new strategy that we can add on to our old economic development efforts. So uh, again, as strange as it is, I think that's a real potential that we have coming out of this crisis, as tough as the crisis has been so far and as uncertain as it remains. Uh, but still something that we can look forward to with optimism in the future. Well, I want to thank you for your, your uh, graphs and so forth, and I'm inviting you back in a quarter. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's mostly my team. I mostly just take credit for the good work that they do. John, I want to thank you and your team very much for this information. Uh, it's going to be of great use to both business people and just people generally interested in what's going on in the West Virginia economy. I'm Pete Holloway. I'll be seeing you all next week. Have a great week.